Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Coming up on this week's Gagan Pressing, it's all change at Hertha Berlin, both in the dugout and in the boardroom. Gladbach beat Dortmund in the Borussia derby, and it's back to reality for Schalke 04 as they're beaten. Norvia by Bayern. All that and more coming up in the next 30 minutes on Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus. Als gäbe sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is the Football Grad creator, Manuel Veth. Manu, how are you doing? Yeah, doing okay, Bryce. How about you? Yeah, more of the same, really. There's not a lot to report. I'm just you know, very glad that football is still part of our lives, eh? Yeah. Um, we had a little bit of snow in London today, so that was a bit, that was something. You know, at least with all the lockdowns and shutdowns and all of that kind of stuff, at least we still got football to talk about, you know, and that's, that's one of the few little positives, I think, in uh, what's been a bit of a difficult time period for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree uh, more. And uh, we've got plenty to talk about today, but joining... Manu and myself is Bundesliga journalist Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Bryce. I'm back after a little break. I was um, with Amazon on the official Bundesliga highlight show last week. Uh, Keith Koskin sat in. Thanks, Keith. It's good to hear your voice when I was editing. Um, yeah, all good. Although I- I'm going to be a little bit honest. I'm getting to that saturation level with-, with football. There's so many games going on at the moment. Could do with an international break. Yeah, we, we were just discussing this, weren't we? We're kind of we're at our peak, really, with football at the moment. But um, at, at least we've got a few interesting topics to, to keep us, well, entertained uh, this week. So uh, let's jump in. Let's get to it. So, as I said, let's start with the big news to come out of the capital. Hertha Berlin have parted ways with Bruno Labbadia after their 4-1 defeat at home to Werder Bremen. Chris, does this come as much of a surprise? No, not at all. So the sacking doesn't come as a surprise. That is part of the course. I think Hertha Berlin have looked quite shoddy, really. I think they can be quite gladful. Uh, quite gladful. They can be quite glad and thankful. Two words mixed together there. Um, that both Mainz and Schalke are awful, and um, you know FC Kern have been a little bit iffy. Um, so, yeah, it, it doesn't come as a surprise. What comes as a surprise to me, and we spoke about this before, and I know I'll hand this bit over to Manu as well, is how poor Hertha have been. Because you would expect the with Lars Windhorst's investment, um, the people they've got on the supervisory board, if you've been sacked now, of course, um, Bruno Labbadia is a good coach overall. And, and the investment they've had in that club with the players they've got, that is the surprise that Hertha Berlin are down where they are. They should be top six, top seven. And that's where the surprise is for me. Yeah, Chris, I think you're quite right. I mean, um, they they have an overall squad value of um, the sixth highest squad value in the Bundesliga. They've invested a significant amount of money, um, took that last Windhorst money, right? And 
put a lot of it into the squad and um, a run stromer it's through the um, transfer mark database and you know when they rank 13th um, over the last three transfer windows in terms of um, the expenditures clubs expenditures um, and um, you know that's that's includes them on a list of clubs like Bayern Munich Man United City and Barca you know they're in that kind of area in terms of how much money they have invested into the club over the last three transfer windows. So it's a significant amount, amount of money that went into um, a team that really wanted to make the next step. And, you know, you and I were both in Wolfsburg when Labadia rescued Wolfsburg from relegation, right? In that um, relegation playoff against Holstein Kiel. He then, in the following season, guided Wolfsburg to a spot in Europa League and then was replaced shown the door more or less by Oliver by Schmatke and replaced with Oliver Glasner and we all thought that okay he's going to Hertha and stabilize the club last season and this year would be the big step forward and it just didn't happen and you know for me that really comes down to and I'm curious what you think Chris because some of it is his fault but a lot of it is also Breitz's fault because Breitz the sporting director is ultimately in charge of putting the squad together yeah, and I think that's obviously why the pair of them have gone because the players that Preet's brought in, is it fair to say they haven't really fired? Because I, I don't know, Mateus Kuno, he certainly looked a real deal when he arrived from Leipzig. Everybody thought maybe this is his big chance. Um, Piatek as well came in from AC Milan for a lot of money. Um, around, I think it's around about £22 million. Pounds, a lot of money. Um, they've also brought other players in. Um, and they've also seen other players go, but it's the amount of money they spent. Even this season, they brought in a likes of John Cordoba. I, I don't know, I still don't know to this day, whether that was the best signing they could have been. Um, but then they've also had successful loan deals as well, like Genduzzi's coming from Arsenal. I think he's been a good addition, but they just look to be 11 or 12 or 14 players You know, when the substitutions are made individual players on the pitch they're not really playing to a system which that you said surprising Bryce that's the most surprising thing for me because as Manu's just touched on when he went to Wolfsburg he stamped his sort of style over the team and Wolfsburg went from having no identity to having this way of playing that got themselves into that relegation playoff and then ultimately overcame Holsten Kiel and and you know the rest is history as we say but it just hasn't happened and I don't know why it hasn't happened because everything's right that it's a big city the investment his ability as a coach they have sort of brought the right players in Preetz has as, as a sporting director but it's just all gone spectacularly wrong for some reason and I posted this on on Twitter last night 14 months ago um, we're talking about Jurgen Klinsmann came in to save the club and in 14, 14 months later you know he's gone very quickly. Um, there was even more troubles at the club. It's, it's just a very strange situation. Over the last year, I thought Hertha would have kicked in and they haven't. You know what this feels like? And I mean, just looking at some of the, the transfers that they made, you know, they, they paid 10 million for uh, Askavi, As, Askaziba, uh, 18 million for Cunha, 20 million for Luca Bacchio, 24 million for Piatek, 25 million for Tuzard. Um, and that's just last year, right? And they added Cordoba for another 15 million, Schwolo for another 7 million, um, a Paraguayan defender, Alderete for 6.5. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's a lot of money spent. It kind of reminds me of the early days of City, 
Chris. You know, where a lot of money was spent on all these individual players, but it, it doesn't seem to be a cohesive plan there yet to actually really form and do something with all, all of these players. Yeah, that is correct. And and also what they have done is that they've brought players in, but they've also let other players go. But unlike other sides, you know, they've I think they've struggled to make round about 10 million euros from from sales, but they've spent like 35 to 40 income in. Well, that's not really balancing the books either. Um, I know I know they can't bring in high quality talent as well as sell it, but maybe they have maybe Preetz hasn't got the best amount out um of the plays he could have done. I mean, Andre Duda is a is a good player. I personally think he probably could have gone for a little bit more than the seven and a half, eight million euros that he did go for, especially if you look at some of the other players that have moved in the Bundesliga as well. It, yeah, it's just a real strange situation. Um it's an odd one and th- that's the most surprising thing for me is that everything's in place for it to be good and and it's been exceptionally poor i i look back to Klinsmann's facebook um facebook live video and some of the things he said and it was quite laughable at the time we all joked and i mean Klinsmann's presentation wasn't the best i'm, I'm not here to to say Klinsmann was right but I'm also saying perhaps he wasn't wrong about some of the criticism he leveled against Preetz in particular. I think Klinsmann is an interesting character, is, is a character who has achieved quite a lot, um, has also had his, has made also quite a lot of mistakes. Um, don't get me wrong. But maybe now in retrospect, perhaps he saw all of this coming. You know, maybe he saw, he understood that in this club, and I don't want to say Klinsmann was the answer, but I do think that there has to be some sort of someone has to come in and maybe collect it all and really form all these individual pieces and the money that is there to spend still and more money is apparently still coming and really do something with it and have a cohesive plan. And I think there's one person in mind who I think could do this in an instant. And I think you will probably agree with me there, Chris, and that's Ralf Rangnick. I think he would be the solution. He would do what he did in Hoffenheim and he would do what he did in Leipzig and he would probably reform and fix this club, um, with, especially with the money that's available to him. Yeah, I can completely agree on that. Um, there you go, Bryce. Ralph Ragnick. Yeah, this is it. I was mounting up all these questions to ask the both of you and you've kind of both answered all of the questions. So all I'll say, um, Chris, is... Well, when we look at the table here, that they're sitting in 14th, you know, only 17 points. It's it's a pretty poor showing. Is there a possibility that Hertha could get pulled into a relegation battle here, or, or even with the players that we've mentioned, are they still too good for that? <laughs> are they still too good for that? Let's ask Schalke, um, because I mean, there's a team that you wouldn't have put in a relegation battle at the start of the season. I, I don't think you're ever too good to be in a in a relegation battle. The thing that Hertha have to look at now is they've probably sacked Labadier at the right time because Bielefeld are pretty much breathing down their neck. Um, had they not been hammered so spectacularly as they were by Frankfurt on this match day and they sort of scraped a result, Hertha would have found themselves two points above the um, playoff place in 15th. Now they still are two points above the playoff place, but they're in 14th, which if you look at the table is a little easier on the eye perhaps. Um, but no, you're never too big to go down and who are they playing next they're playing nine track frankfurt who absolutely battered the team below them Werder bremen um are picking up points as well here and there um so yeah it's it, it's a good time 
um, for them to make a change. I think, and I know Manuel will agree with this, it's looked ropey for a while for um, Bruno Labbadee and Preetz, but the fact that they were smashed 4-1 at home by the team above them, who they're trying to make ground upon, and they're in 14th, that signals the end of the line for me, and, and, and quite rightly so. But what I would like to say, and Manu, I know you'll have an idea on this, as I wasn't particularly impressed with the way that um, Sky Sport handled it in Germany by when they interviewed Bruno Labbadee at the end of the match on camera. They showed him the Build article that had just been published that said he was fired. Um, I, I think if you're going to interview a top manager, which he is, or a top player, I think you have to show a little bit of respect. And for me, that fell down on the mark of, of, of mutual respect between journalist and, and subject. Yeah, I got to say that Sky should probably not have done that. Going with that style of interviewing, they, as an outlet, have maybe gone in the direction of what they have done in the UK, you know, where, they've, where, where they create all sorts of rumors and, and stipulate all sorts of stuff. So I, I, I thought it was deeply disappointing. Um, and looking back on how they used to interview people and players in the past and coaches in the past, I, I know that they're better than that. And um, yeah, I was, I was shocked when I saw this because like, Labadia knows what's coming. He's been long enough in the business to know that, you know, and he said it like, well, it's going to be hard for him to have to have arguments um, for him to stay in the job. But at the end of the day, these are still human beings and these are people's jobs and their livelihoods, etc. And I think it, it was <laughs> it was completely unprofessional. Um, and I, I hope that there is going to be some sort of consequences in terms of how how reporting is done in the, in the future. Because imagine you and I finding out um, or like being shown something like that. How would you even respond? I, I think um, Labadia handled it while the reporters didn't. Well, guys, let's move on. We'll just have to wait and see if Hertha can steer themselves out of this mess. Marcus Thuram has done it on his return tonight for Borussia Mönchengladbach. And yet again, Dortmund just cannot, cannot keep the back door shut. Reiner can't get there. And that's a brilliant header into the roof of their net for Thuram. What a way to come back and score a goal in the big game. Yes, that was one of the six goals we were treated to on Friday night as Borussia Mönchengladbach beat Borussia Dortmund 4-2. Chris, unfortunately for Dortmund, another bad day. Well, yeah. I mean, I thought your link was going to be speaking about messes. Um, yeah. Dortmund seemed to be in one. <laughs> They're just so difficult to to watch right now. I mean, talk about Hertha having the right ingredients to be maybe fighting for the top six. Look at this side that Dortmund put out. Um, Emre Chan's in there. Jude Bellingham's in there. Um, Julian Brandt, um, Erling Haaland, of course, who got himself a couple of goals, Sancho, Aguero, Akanji, Hummels. Yeah, it's disappointing. Um, for me, at the moment, um, Edin Terzic looks to be concentrating at the wrong end of the pitch. He looks to be looking at how many goals can we score. I mean, he needs to be looking on the other end. The the defence is, is trash and... 
I don't put that down to, you know, Hummels' fault. I don't put it down to Kanji's fault. I mean the actual structure of the defence. Who's picking up? Who's tracking? Who's running? Who's marking? When they move as a force and when they move as a centre-back pairing, what do the right and the left wing-backs do? What do the defensive midfielders do when the, when the defenders push onwards? None of that seems to be being addressed at the moment. And then to underpin it with soapy hands, Berkey, it, it's just an absolute nightmare. And... The problem, I don't want to wish to pick on Roman Berkey, but maybe I'm going to slightly, is that occasionally he pulls off these wonderful saves that you think, how on earth has he saved that? And then he spills a free kick back into the danger zone, which which he did the other night. And he's got a static defence. But the match day previous about that, Berkey was furious at a ball that came over the top that a goal was scored from. And, and Hummels looked at him and said, you should be saving that. So... It's just all bad at the back at the moment. And even if a top-level coach came in at this precise moment, it, I don't know if, if Berkey's the man to do that. If I'm Marvin Hitz, I'm thinking, what do I have to do to get a game here? Um, I know that was a political decision, wasn't it, in the last when the last head coach was in about does Hitz start or does Berkey start? And I think that was a little bit of of the sort of material that ended up the the fractious relationship between Zork, Vatska and Favre at the end. But for me, Berkey's not the answer. Um, but then Edin Terzic, I don't think is the answer because of what I've said. It looks like it's just go out and play at the top end and, and maybe we'll defend if we can. But let's not take away from anything. Borussia Mönchengladbach under Marco Rosa are superb at the moment and they were deserved for all of those three points. They're a joy to watch. Everything that Dortmund have, have got wrong at the moment, Gladbach have got right. I, I just really, you know, I've been, I've been itching to say something about Roman Berkey here, Chris. So um, I, I know we have to talk about Gladbach as well and there's lots of wonderful things to say about them. But remember that goal that won Bayern the title last year? And I know there was other games and other opportunities after that, but a goal by Joshua Kimmich that won essentially won Bayern the title last year, that was a 6% probability calculated by AWS to go in. And I tell you what, that jot by Kimmich, and I don't care how good it was and how brilliant Kimmich is, and he is absolutely incredible. We're probably going to talk to him about him in a moment. But Neuer would have had that. He would have saved that shot. And he would have stopped that shot midweek where Berkey got his hand on. And he would have not he would have not dropped that ball ahead of LVD's second goal. And I tell you what, that LVD goal doesn't go in, Dortmund win that game against Gladbach. And that is the difference. Like Berkey is a solid keeper in the Bundesliga. Just like Lukas Radetzky is a solid keeper for Leverkusen in the Bundesliga. But you will not win titles with Berkey. You will not win titles with Radetzky either. I mean, that's a different topic altogether. But this is something that Borussia Dortmund have known for years. They knew it already last year. They knew it the year before. You know, Neuer guarantees you 10 to 12 points a season. Guarantees you that. I mean, how many points has he guaranteed Bayern this year alone, right? Um, Bayern are seven points clear on top of the table because Lewandowski is in amazing form. But Neuer has been incredible. And I think that is, for me, one of the big things that Dortmund have to look at. And that's even before they maybe discuss a new head coach. Um, but goalkeeping has been a major issue for them for quite some time. Well, Chris, let's uh, touch on the head coach um, issue at the moment. Are we any closer to knowing who exactly is going to get appointed? Well, no, um, because it's mid-season. And 
they can plan for who they want. And Marco Rosa is undoubtedly the preferred candidate. Now, Borussia Dortmund are the second biggest club by membership in Germany. They are the second biggest club um, by history. You know, they're Champions League winner, of course. Um, they've won the double. They've won the Pokal in recent times. They're a massive club. But right at this moment, I don't know if I'm Marco Rosa, if I go to Borussia Dortmund, because the only thing that is bigger is the name. Um, he's he's making big steps with this Mönchengladbach side. And I don't know if he goes there at the end of the season, does he have a squad? Because at the moment, they may struggle to make top four. Now, if they don't get in a Champions League, I'm pretty sure Jaden Sancho will be off regardless. If they don't get into the Champions League, Erling Haaland looks happy and he says he's happy. Is he going to be happy if they don't play Champions League? Then we could see a player trying to get out. You've got the likes of Akanji, Jude Bellingham, Julian Brandt, players on the side, Dahoud, Thomas Mounier even, who's only recently come in, Giovanni Reiner, of course. Are they going to be happy staying at a club without Champions League? And more importantly... A club like Dortmund needs to be in the Champions League to keep its itself afloat financially. It's lost a lot of money this season playing behind closed doors. If it falls out of the Champions League, it can't look forward to that £2.7 million per game win in, in the Champions League or, you know, 700000 from a draw if they, if they get a draw in those group stages. They lose a lot of money and all of a sudden selling players that are, are worth a lot of money becomes the only way they can survive. So the coach... Whoever it is, if it's Rosa, if it's um, Jesse Marsh, if it's Nagelsmann, if it's Tuchel, if it's whoever, they need to have a competition to be in next season. And that at the moment is going to be the trick for them. Yeah, difficult times at the moment. But uh, as we said, Rosa and Gladbach doing a fantastic job as they move up into fifth place. Manu, a a team that's also done very well over the weekend, and we'll talk about that number five, I suppose, is Eintracht Frankfurt, who won 5-1 against uh, Armenian Bielefeld. Um, What a weekend for them, and they just look like they can score from everywhere at the moment with with the the players that they've got on the field. Yeah, they have been looking very good. I think um, them getting back Luka Jovic on on a loan deal from, from Real Madrid um, it's a fantastic piece of business. Be, be curious to see if they maybe could work out something where he could stay a, a little bit longer because I think that Jovic is much better suited playing for a club like Frankfurt for maybe another year or two and then then maybe making the next step in his career. We have to remember he's quite young. But boy, oh boy, we have to talk about Andre Silva, boys. I mean, this is this is a guy who had struggled at Milan, right? He, he was considered one of the biggest prospects, attacking prospects coming out of Portugal a few years ago and struggled in Milan and this year he's been just on fire. I mean, you look at his stats, 17 Bundesliga games, he scored 14 goals, three assists. He scores every 104 minutes. Um, it's the second top striker behind Lewandowski um, in the Bundesliga. I mean, just a fantastic player. And really, I, I think some somewhat also and a good example of, here's someone who took a step back, right? Going from Milan to Frankfurt. And making the most of that opportunity, and sometimes I think that is that is really important for players. We see we see that they have to fit into a certain system. And Frankfurt are looking good. Um, I think Gladbach and Frankfurt were the two biggest winners on this match day, and it kind of looks like the Frankfurt of old, doesn't it, Chris? I mean, same with Gladbach, but with Frankfurt, I mean, this is the side that we for the last couple of years really started to love and um, really started to appreciate 
in terms of what they can do in German football and the way they, they play football. And it's coming back. Yeah, it's coming back. And something I noticed, and I think I mentioned it to you, Manu, the other week, before we came to the winter break, Frankfurt had something daft like 16 yellow cards. Um, and that is a Frankfurt that we used to see. They were very hard into the tackle. They, they almost frightened other sides. But when they were under Kovac, what they could do is they could go up the other end and score goals. And, and that sort of stuttered a little bit after Adi Hutter's first season. But he looks now to have got that back. And, and you're quite right. Andre Silva's just been pretty much a, a phenomenal um, inspiration for them this season is 14 goals, five assists, 17 Bundesliga games. That is that is top notch, and it's consistency as well. It's not like um, he scored three or four of those in one games. You know, he, he scored crucial game. Sorry, he scored crucial goals at crucial times. He scored a couple of goals um, against Union Berlin and a couple of goals against Gladbach, and obviously got a couple on the weekend. Outside of that, he's grabbed one here and one there, which. I think for me shows a more um, consistent level of striker, um, especially in the team he's playing in. So, yeah, he seems to be really thriving under the way that Frankfurt play at the moment. And yeah, you can't really argue with what he's doing in the Bundesliga. He's a joy to watch and he's a constant threat. And I think what now it offers to um, Frankfurt going forward is they've now got Luka Jovic who can come in and, and be as big a threat. So if you're an opposition manager, all of a sudden, not only have you got to try and stop Andre Silva, you've got to also now try and stop um, Luka Jovic. You, I'm in full agreement with you, Manu. I, I think if Frankfurt could make that deal permanent, I think it would be real sound news for them going forward. They're now into sixth. Um, they're going to play managerless pretty much Hertha Berlin next. The teams in that top end of the table seem to be dropping points week in, week out. They could really go on a bit of a good run now and all of a sudden find themselves in that third or fourth Champions League slot. Yeah, Manu, Chris just mentioned you were teams up in that uh, part of the table dropping points. Um, let's talk a little bit about Bayer Leverkusen and RB Leipzig sitting in second and third. What exactly is going on there? One, one's lost to Wolfsburg and the other one's lost to Mainz. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because um, I mean, there's so much talk about Bayern and we're going to talk about Bayern, of course, in, in a moment and they, they, their problems on the field and with the, the tight schedule and them dropping points. And I, I'm 100% convinced Bayern Munich will drop more points as the season progresses. But I don't think it will matter because they just know that other teams around him will do the same. And I mean, we now had Dortmund and Leipzig drop points um, to Mainz. And um, you can complain about Bayern's advantage in terms of budget all you want. But in the end of the day, both Dortmund and Leipzig have an enormous gap in terms of budget over, over Mainz. And you just can't drop points there. It's just, you know, it's just not something that should be happening. Um, Leverkusen has been the same story, dropping points left, right and center and then playing fantastic in, against against bigger clubs. And I think that's the kind of consistency that is that needs to happen for any of these teams if they really want to challenge Bayern. If they really want to challenge Bayern, you have to go to Mainz. And if you need to um, win that game 1-0 or 2-0, but you have to get those three points. Yeah, so we've talked of a bad match day for Hertha, Leipzig, Dortmund and Leverkusen. Um, I think we can probably add Schalke to that party as well. Kimmich with the free kick. 3-0. Easy as you like. It's that man again. Thomas Muller. 
Well, that cross just says head me. I've done all I can for you. I've put some pace on it. There's a little bit of curl to send it away from the goalkeeper, and it's in a fantastic area. Do you want a goal? Thomas Muller very often does. Yes, that's right. Schalke lost 4-0 to Bayern Munich. Um, <laughs> again, you know, Chris, we, we talk about you, Schalke being poor. Uh, we're doing this all too often uh, this season. But, you know, the champions didn't even have to get our second gear to beat them today. No. Um, I mean, the only good point I think Schalke can take away is that Manu thought they'd get beat 11-0. So maybe getting beat 4-0 is probably something they can be thankful for. But, yeah, I mean, they must have gone into this game thinking have we got a chance and when you're down there fighting maybe they've just written this game off but it seems that after they got that all-important victory against Hoffenheim they've just gone back to square one beaten 3-1 by Frankfurt beaten 2-1 by Kern now obviously beaten 4-0 by Bayern and the next game is against Werder Bremen who are looking to pull themselves out of a tricky situation Leipzig, they're playing at home. <laughs> Maybe they could pick up some points there, who knows? Then they've got Union Berlin away and then Dortmund at home. And maybe they could, you know, maybe they could pick up some points in the derby, who knows? Because that's a game that where form and goes out the window, sort of. But I expected them to kick on because that game they played against Hoffenheim, they played really well. But since then, I've seen nothing. And this game today, you can't, you can't say, Christian Gross has done nothing because I think he has. I think he's improved the way they've played. Um, I think at a time today, they they looked at a better side slightly um, for a few minutes here and there. Mauer Neuer makes a couple of exceptional saves. Um, on another day, maybe they go 1-0 up. But I think even this Schalke side go 1-0 up, they still get beat 4-1. But they needed to come away from that game with maybe a 1-0 defeat for their for their own sake. The more they look at the table now, the bigger the gap is, of course. Mainz picking up points. Um the gap's bigger to Cologne now. It's um it's it's a real tricky one for them. Um I think Christian Gross has been asked to do a lot with little uh, with very little. Um they seem to be getting all these older players to come back. I don't know if it's Jochen Schneider dreaming of times gone past, but I don't know. It's going to be a very strange second half of the season. And at the minute for Schalke, it looks like it can only get worse for them. Yeah, I did some some digging into the stats after after the game because I did an article on on for Forbes on this, Chris. And, um, you know, my thesis was pretty much for the article that the very top of the Bundesliga table and the very bottom of the Bundesliga table is done and dusted, cemented. I think this result um, will mean that Bayern will defend their title. I know Flick said today seven points is nothing and still lots of football to be played. And while he's right, and while I think Bayern will lose and draw points uh, left, right and center, I just can't see anyone putting together a consistent run to actually close that seven-point gap. And for the bottom, I think Schalke are done. And they're on seven points after 18 game. You know, at this point, they're projecting to have 14, less than 14 points at the end of the season. And this is this is the same as Köln a few years ago. Remember that? I just can't see them come out of that. And yeah, you're right. They had a few good chances. Mark Wood should probably have scored um, early on. But then you look at some of those numbers. I mean, this is, they had 30, they were, Bayern led the game 31 to 13 shots. 31 shots on goal. I mean, this is a hockey statistic. That's an ice hockey statistic. You don't you don't see stuff like that in football. 
and you can't you can't expect you can't give away that many shots on your goal and expect to win the game especially against Bayern I mean I think Schalke were probably lucky um, that it was just those four goals um, I was joking ahead of the game said it will be 11 nil and you know it could have been it could have been eight seven six nil easily and in the end it wasn't because Fairman had a, a few brilliant stops yeah he lets the last one in against Alaba but I mean at that point the heads are so low um, the team is defeated right it, it, it can happen but I just can't see Schalke getting out of out of last place I think for me they're done they are they're absolutely done and signing a 37 year old Huntela is not gonna gonna make the difference there well, I was just about to put the question to Chris. You know, what, what difference, you know, will there be having Huntelaar in that squad? You even if they were to go down, is is there any benefit from having him there? The only benefit I can see of having him there is he's played at the highest level for Schalke, and he knows the club and he gets it, and maybe he brings a bit of enthusiasm into the dressing room to maybe fire on some of their younger players or some of the players that need a little bit of help. I think that's exactly why they brought these players in. I think it's why they've been linked with the likes of Rafina. I think it's why um, Kaselniacho or, or however we're pronouncing his name this week, he seems to change it every week himself on the system, how it's pronounced. Um, I think that's why he was brought back in because these are leaders, they're, they're experienced players and they can maybe help in the dressing room, which to have a happy and harmonious dressing room is almost key to success of anything, be that a title, be that a cup win, or be it to drag yourself out of relegation. You need a happy dressing room. So I can see why they maybe brought him in, but when they are struggling for goals, because if Matthew Hopper isn't scoring, Schalke don't seem to be doing much. Um, so it, it just seems an odd one because, I mean, he is getting on in his years now and, I think he'll probably be quite an easy handful for for some of the defenses they're going to play against. So I can only see it's for for that that changing room and that or the dressing room morale that he'll bring in, Bryce. Well, that more or less does it for this week. Match day eighteen completed. On to match day nineteen. Probably the highlight next week will be RB Leipzig taking on Bayer Leverkusen. But with recent uh, form for both those sides, we'll probably get a nil nil. Anyway, have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. And we'll be back before you know it. Off Peter's in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.